Caution, the Mark Unger Show contains adult content intended for an adult audience. And, besides that, he's really weird. Welcome to the Mark Gunger Show with international marriage speaker and author of Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, Mark Gunger. This is your source for practical, down-to-earth marriage advice without all the over-spiritualization or romantic nonsense. And now the host of the Mark Gunger Show, Mark Gunger. The crowd goes wild with delirious joy. They've joined the Mark Gunger Show, the show that deals with all things concerning... Marriage. Marriage, indeed. I'm your host, the one, the only, Mark Gunger. Joining me as always... Stupid wire. Coming apart at the seams. Coming apart. I don't know what's going on. Joining me as always, the ever-lovely and charming Lady Diane. How you doing, Diane? I'm all right. How are you? I'm having a hard time with the wires. You're falling apart, man. There, I think I got it. There, there, there. there. Always joining us as well. Me, me, me. Brilliantly... Talented, incredibly insightful young man, Philip James Gunger. Like father, like Your shirt's son. so Nashville. So Nashville? It is so Nashville. What does that mean? You got uh, pearl book. snaps on them. Yep. Is that Nashville? Yep. Is that good or bad? Cowboy I got shirt? a friend who every time I'd wear something with pearl snaps, he'd go, oh, cool, pearl snaps, need to rip them open. <laughs> oh, that was a big thing when we were in high school. Anybody who wore snap shirts like that, you better wear something underneath it because they would rip them open like that. Yep. Really? Just like yep. that? Yep. Yep. That's pretty weird and twisted. Yep. Yeah, I so, so I had to do it, nonetheless. Uh, this is a show that handles... Oh, wait. What did I miss? Timothy. Tim. Oh, the show is engineered by the very talented but eerily creepy Timothy Robert Ray, engineer extraordinaire, pushing buttons, twisting knobs, and trying to stay awake during this incredibly, immeasurably boring show. This is the show that handles your marital challenges, relational conundrums, and dating dilemmas that you can email to us at ask, A-S-K, at markgungor.com. What do you got there? Study links church attendance with marriage stability. The ah. old adage, the family that prays together stays together, is statistically sound, according to a new study by a Harvard University professor. Okay. Couples who attend religious services are 47% less likely to subsequently divorce than other couples. In addition to greater marital stability, the study found a correlation between church attendance and better health outcomes, including longer life, lower incidence of depression, and less suicide. They speculate that attending religious services reinforces the idea that marriage is something sacred. Religious teachings... So, let me get this straight. So, your marriage is better, mm-hmm. you're healthier, mm-hmm. and you live longer mm-hmm. if you go to church. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. They say religious teachings also censure divorce and discourage adultery, one of the strongest predictors of divorce. Religious institutions... <laughs> adultery, one of the strongest predictors, predictors of divorce. divorce. <laughs> That's very insightful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have discovered in our mm-hmm. studies that... If a man is like having sex with lots of other women, there's a chance that could be a predictor of divorce. Well, they they're saying they know that that's a predictor of divorce, and because churches discourage it, therefore that's one of the reasons. No, I just think it's hilarious that they right. would say affairs are a predictor of divorce. Yeah, I'd, yeah, <laughs> that's the understatement of the day. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. Religious kind of like when your heart stops is a predictor of death. Yes. certain death. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've we've noticed that your heart, when your heart stopping, stops. You die. 
is a predictor of whether or not you'll live very long. Religious? Or sticking your head underwater. Mm-hmm. You can't breathe. It's also another predictor. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of predictors. Mm-hmm. All right, now that we've mocked their study. Religious institutions offer various types of family support, and studies find that people who attend church are generally happier and have a greater sense of meaning in life, factors generally associated with greater marital satisfaction and lower divorce. Hmm. <laughs> That's all I got to say. All right. So, you want to be healthy? Mm-hmm. Healthier? You want to be happier. You want to live longer. And you want your relationships to stay together. Go to church. There you are. Now I would like to know what their version of going to church is. It didn't say that. Not in the article that I had. Maybe the entire study. Most of these studies that do that, when they're talking about people who attend church regularly, they're literally meeting people who go to church on average twice a week. Yes. Not just the, I go every once in a while if I feel like it. On a Sunday morning, yeah. That doesn't doesn't work. Right. So they left us out on that one. But overwhelmingly, it tends to be uh, not only every Sunday, but also another service during the week. These are the people who benefit greatly. You want a better life? Go to church, you slackers. All right. We'll be uh, taking a break and come back with your emails right after this. Mark Gunger. Yeah, we've got an app for that. Download your free Mark Gunger app today. On the Mark Gunder Show, answering your emails about love, marriage, and relationships that you can send to us at askask at markgungor.com. Okay, ready for a sex question? Yeah, uh, sure. Why oh, not? Okay. He says, husband writing, I'm writing concerning an issue that's plagued our marriage for years. My wife and I have been married 37 years. I'm an ordained minister of an evangelical denomination and have served both overseas for 20 years as missionary and pastored in the States for 14. So... That's his history. All right. The issue is concerning fantasies during sexual activity together, he says. Uh-huh. This is more concerning for my wife, who is too embarrassed to write to you about it. From right. what I understand, he says, most women fantasize during sex to achieve orgasm. Okay. My wife has felt for years that when she does fantasizing this... Fantasizing about other men. Fantasizing about something. Or men. What, or, cats? No. I suppose other men, Yes. Doing things with not just the other man. A lovely Caribbean vacation, uh, a glass of iced tea. What are they fantasizing about? Other men. Doing things with other men, I would imagine, not just the. So he's saying the majority of women achieve orgasm by thinking. Is that true? That is not true. So I don't know where he got that understanding from, but that's not true. I think it's totally bogus. In fact, if something else enters my mind, that kind of takes it all out of play. You know what I mean? Uh huh. It's not okay. about, okay, anyway. My wife has felt for years that when she does this, she is sinning and then feels she needs to spend time in prayer and confession to clean her mind. Okay. At one point, her fantasies tended toward people she knew, but she has worked on that, so she no, no longer does that at all. The fantasies tend to be sadistic in nature, even toward extreme pain. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> he says that wait is all that she will share with me. And will never describe any of her fantasies because, in reality, they disgust her. She is not by nature sadistic. She never looks at porn or has had any interest in that. Has she had a lot of sexual partners before she got married? Ah, I did not ask that question. That's what you've got to figure. See, that was one of the negative things. There there are people who've had so many sexual partners before they got married. 
that their mind's constantly racing back to other lovers and all kinds of other scenarios that they experienced before they got married. That's why you don't want to do that before you get it married. could be. Uh, that would be my guess. I mean, I don't know. I can't I, believe I didn't even think of that question. Well, I just think all, his pre- all of his premises are flawed. Number one, all women do not do that. No. Number two, if they do think about someone, it's usually not someone beating the, the snot mm-hmm. out of her or some statistic torturing thing. Mm-hmm. No, people don't normally think like that. Why your wife thinks like that is a bit disturbing, I would grant to you. But now we've got a hundred questions. Yeah. Did she have lots of sexual partners before? What did, yeah. She said, well, she never watched porn. You know, a lot of women do that don't watch porn. They read mm-hmm. romance novels, Fifty Shades of Stupid, mm-hmm. and all these other various things mm-hmm. that they do. Just because they think that they don't stare at a TV screen, they don't think they're doing porn, that's exactly what is porn. Of course it's porn. Mm-hmm. So is that what she's... I mean... Images and stuff like that just don't pop into your head randomly. Unless they're, I have they're, never had a vision of someone torturing me during sex. It's never popped into my head. Mm-hmm. But then I must say, I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really want to see no. that. So it's not a problem for me. These kind of images, they don't just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Who thinks of stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had to have seen it, I would imagine. Seen it, read it, something somewhere. So I don't. I don't. Is there a question in there for us? What's yeah. Um, he says because she has to fantasize, she's not wanting to have sex, you know, or at least we'll just have sex with him and let him do his business. Uh-huh. And she, did, but he doesn't like to do that. Yeah. So sometimes he'll go for a month to two months without having sex just yeah. because of this. I, I think you guys are prime candidates for counseling. He just wants to know how to break this habit. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. you're prime counselors for counseling. I mean, this that's prime candidates for going to see somebody. Mm-hmm. That I don't know who you'd go to see about stuff like that. Who do you go to deal with you stuff would, like that? I don't know. You'd have to find someone who really specializes in. Because some people sexual, say that's good for you. Therapy. Oh yeah, they would. So yeah. you got to be careful so, yeah. who you're going to see. I wish I could help you. I can't. Sad. Yeah. I feel you have emailed in vain, my friend. There's stuff we can help with, and there's stuff that's uh, out of my ballpark, above my pay grade. I don't know. My guess is she has had a lot of sexual partners before she got married. Don't you think? Where would you well, think of Well, maybe not a about lot, ha- but, but if she even enough had that you're one? fantasizing about other men and other men she knows, and that's where her head goes all the time, and why isn't she fantasizing about him? It's the... It's the sadistic stuff that where did that come well, that from come, that that's has what I'm to saying. come from I'm, some place yeah. whether it was what she was reading or this or that maybe it was a, maybe she was abused I, I don't know sexually I don't abused know. Uh, and here's my general comment about I mean someone says you know I struggle with stuff like that uh, and say well that's wrong yeah that's you talk to God about that stuff you confess mm-hmm. your sins it is what it is the human body the reason you're going to, do you realize the reason we're all going to die physically is because our body has been poisoned by sin. It is unredeemable. Our spirits and souls have been redeemed, and our body will be made new someday in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. But the physical body you are in right now is beyond repair. It cannot be fixed. It will return to the dust, as God says. It will be resurrected again into a new body. But it's changed, totally changed. The version of you... It's that flesh that you walk around in is what causes you to get angry and irritable and ticked off and, you know, it's it's just the flesh. And if you sin and you do something that's wrong, thinking, you know, you go to God and you ask Him to forgive you. Here's the thing. We'll all be asking God for forgiveness pretty much all the way up to the last breath, right? For stuff that, you know, we struggle and anger, irritated, lust, whatever. These are all the common things that 
you know, there's there's no button you push and all that goes away. Mm-hmm. Now, we can talk about renewing your mind, and, and she probably would need to do that as a Christian, change the way she thinks, meditate on the scriptures. I mean, her head obviously is in a bad place in the first. There's no way you think about this right. stuff accidentally. She is looking at reading something somewhere, previous experiences. Um, my biblical advice would be to what Paul says, to renew your mind, which means to fill your mind with new stuff. But even then, you're still going to struggle with things. I mean, even physically. You know, I was, I was talking to someone the other day uh, about uh, aging, because now we're, I'm in the category now of the aged. I'm on the very beginning, 60s, you know, which is not really old anymore. You know, 75 plus, you're starting to get old. Mm-hmm. You're 80, you're old. Nine, you're a geezer, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're all looking at stuff, but. Uh, one of the things that starts happening with, with men and women is their bodies start to change and their hormones start to change. And if you don't have the right hormones, it will affect you. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to this one guy a couple of days ago. He says, you know, a lot of guys, their testosterone levels drop and things like that. And, uh, and they just get grumpy. And uh, this one lady working in this doctor's office, she says, she says, whenever I meet a warm, friendly, caring, older man... She says, I guarantee you, his hormones are normal. Mm-hmm. And when I run into a grumpy, bitter, short, <laughs> his hormones snappy, are out of whack. I guarantee you, his hormones are, are out mm-hmm. of whack. What does that tell you? I mean, you say, well, it's because one guy's evil and the other guy's a good heart. Not really. No. It's that one is having physical problems and doesn't know it, and the other one yes. is fine. Uh, it will trigger bad re- reactions. Mm-hmm. So let's say. Your hormones are low, and you're a grumpy old man. You find yourself getting grumpier uh, than you normally, uh, you know. You might find that will always do. So there's some medication that you take will just make you grumpier, mm-hmm. but oh, you still yeah. have to take the medications. Yeah. So if you blow it, what do you do? You ask God to forgive you, yeah. and you go to church, and you take communion, and you get things right, and confess your sins. I mean, this, it is what it is. I, I don't want. What I'm trying to say is, there's highly unlikely that. Everybody will always have their heads in such a pure place that they're never going to struggle in, right. in some of these areas in one way or the other. Everybody struggles at some level with these things. If you do something, you cross the line, then you back off. And but if she's kind of crossing the line consistently, yeah. well, you and can think about really weird things. Of, but she's, I think that in order for her to achieve orgasm, she's intentionally letting her mind wander because that's the only way she can achieve it. Yeah, but well, you the, need to fix that. Part. How would you know that you even achieve an orgasm in a sadistic thing if she haven't done it in a sadistic thing? I mean, that, I, that's I don't very know. odd. Well, it doesn't have to be that you've done it. It's just that the th- the thought of that is very. It turns her on a lot. You know well, what I mean? That, but but usually it's a well. How do these people Pavlov's read the Fifty dog. Shades of Grey and get all hot and bothered by that? I was so revolted by the few pages of that that I read for work purposes. But Pavlov's dog about that? would start. You blow the whistle, he'd immediately, yeah. whatever you did, yeah, ring a bell, salivate, whatever. Ring bell, yeah. But because he had been receiving something. So then all it took was the bell. If she, what? I don't know. Something's really know. strange there. I can't fix that. This is really deep. I would really suggest you get some counseling. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back with another email right after this. Attend Mark's Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage event. Visit LaughYourWay.com for upcoming dates and locations. We 
are back on the Mark Unger Show, answering your emails. What else you got? Okay, I had to dig down through the pile because this email goes with the article about church attendance and okay. all of that. He says, I have a question about the importance of church attendance. I have heard Pastor Mark say in almost every one of his sermons that the families who succeed most are the ones that come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday for Bible study. <coughs> yes. I have always viewed church as more of a gym type experience, he says. You go to the gym to lose weight, work out, and get fit. However, it does not horribly affect you if you miss a week or two here or there. <laughs> right now, my daughter's school schedule, we are unable to go to our church on Wednesday nights. I go almost every Sunday morning, but I tend to skip once a month. It all depends on things like if I've had a busy work week or if they're in the middle of a series that I don't care about, like a sermon series, I guess. Well, who cares if you care about it? These people who have this, you know, to them, Christianity is a smorgasbord. You go to smorgasbord, I don't like that fish, and I'll skip this, and they pick and choose mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, I'm already irritated at her. Okay, keep going. It's a him. It's a him. It's the oh, husband. It's a him. If right. I miss a single week, I get phone calls, texts, and emails from a few people I know asking me, where were you? Good, you slacker. I will give them a simple answer of not wanting to be there because I was extremely tired, and then I get hit with messages of heavy guilt because I missed a week, one out of four or five. Uh-huh. One of the reasons I skip church outside of my heavy work week is because it's one of the few dedicated times I get with my family and kids. Uh Blah, blah, blah. My question... I'm not liking any of this. Go ahead. My question has always been, why would I prioritize sitting in a church service, learning about how to pour into friends and family instead of being home pouring into my friends and family? You just don't like going to church. And I promise you, this guy's writing. He makes everybody... (laughs) It's like the um, TV series. Oh, what was that show? Uh, The Doctor. He said, everybody lies. House. 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 Everybody lies. These people, everybody lies. They write these emails. If they don't flat out lie, they at least really tilt stuff in their favor. For him to describe that he once in a while misses, I bet he misses church all the time. Well, I don't know. I bet he does, you know, and so spiritual. Why would I sit in a, in a, in a building? Because the Bible says you're supposed to go to church. That's why. It says, do not forsake the gathering of yourself together. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's important. It's really, 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 really important. Well, can I stay home and be... No. No. And these people say, can I get close to God just sitting out in the trees? No. It's not the same experience. People who say the experience are full of it. So, you know, if your church is so awful you don't like it, find another church. The reality is your life will be better. There's no question your life will be better if you go to church every Sunday, and particularly if you go more than once a week. There's no question. People who go to church every Sunday and and, and either a small group or Bible study or something during the week, their lives are better. They're always better. I guarantee you people, the people today in America, Christian people today, who have the best lives are the ones who go to church all the time. They're there all the time, Sunday and then midweek doing something else. The people who are struggling the most Today, right now, I guarantee you, overwhelmingly, Christians we're talking about, Christian people who are struggling the most today, over the last year, they didn't go to church very often, and they certainly never went more than once a week. It's as predictable as the sun rising up tomorrow. So he can say whatever he wants. The reality is, I guarantee you, you the people who do this, who really make church a priority, just like the study that we read at the beginning. Yeah. What do they say? Their, their marriages are better, they're happier, they live longer, they're healthier. It's a scientific study. Well, he thinks that he can spend better time with his family on Sundays if he's too busy during the week. So why would he be giving up the family time for church time? Because church time is more important than family time. Oh, that's not going to sit well with some people. 
what it is. I'm just saying. I am the Lord thy God. They shall have no other gods before me. God comes number one. Wait, was I having that conversation with you or was it with somebody else about how the family has become like the God and these children? Was that you? We no, it wasn't me. No, I can't remember I who I was talking about that with. I try not to talk to you. Well, I know that. You irritate me. So just... Well, somebody was having that conversation with me. <laughs> Uh, no, but I think it's a good point. Oh, the family and the kids Look, every, just are the center of it all. They love to spiritualize that. I don't use the words. People will say, you know, it's, it's more important that I'm healthy. So that's the only time I get to work out. So that's mm-hmm. why I don't go to church. It's more important. They can come up with all their, the, my family's more important. All of that is no, you're wrong. You're all wrong. The most important thing, number one in your life, is to put God first. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you doubt that, check out, I don't know, the Bible. Let's start with the f- f- Ten Commandments. Number one, for heaven's sakes, mm-hmm. my family's more. No, it's not. No, it's not. And here's the crazy thing. What does the scientific study tell us? That if you do the church thing constantly, mm-hmm. that your family, family life is better. Yeah. The people who don't go to church because they'd rather work out because it's important for them to work out. Isn't it interesting? The study says people who go to church are Healthier. Oh, well, that is, isn't that interesting? They actually live longer. Hmm. I need just alone time so I can unwind. Isn't that interesting? Because the study shows the people who go to church regularly are happier. Mm-hmm. So all of those excuses are... Bogus. Well, I was going to use a scientific term. Uh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Don't most churches have early services? I mean, if you want to just get Ours your day doesn't. out of the way... <laughs> Well, no, but still, what's it, 9? 9? 10.30. Some of them are. Or is it 10.30? Oh, yeah. You and guys. the campus you go to just has a 10.30 yeah. service right now. Although that's getting filled up again right away. And yeah. Probably have to go to another early service. But some, most churches like, do have a very early like service. It's not like churches like half your day or anything. No. It doesn't no. matter. I'm telling you. Everything they say, there's no evidence. No. There's no evidence. If what he's saying is true, why is it that the studies show the people who... Uh, go to church and don't spend that extra time. How come their marriages are better? How come their homes are better? How come they're healthier? How come they live longer? How come they're happier? Because these other people are saying, well, that competes with my happiness. Or that competes with my working out schedule. Or that competes with my family time. All of that is bogus nonsense. Because if that were true, it would say the people who have the best marriages are the people who don't go to church and stay home spend time with their family. Mm-hmm. The people who are the healthiest are the ones who don't go to church but instead work out. The people who are the healthiest are the ones who don't go to church and spend personal time just relaxing and meditating and having peace in the woods. Not but true. the studies show the exact opposite. So, this guy is full of it. <laughs> we'll be back with another email right after this. Caution. The Mark Hunger Show contains adult content intended for an adult audience. When it walked into the room, it was all business, that's for sure. The blues groove of uh, the Reverend Jimmy Bratcher, the electric ref. Check out his website at jimmybratcher.com. He has a new record coming out April 17th. Oh, there's a release date. Which one is this? It's is this ooh, the country one? Yes, the country. Yeah, I think it's the country Taking one. Country mm-hmm. songs and doing them in blues fashion. Yes, yes, yeah. I think it's that one. Because uh, he did, uh, what was the last one? He did a, uh, what song was it? 
You are my sunshine. Oh yeah, I love that. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. But he does it in a blues thing. Oh, it's fabulous. Yeah, it's very very cool. Okay. All right. So it's a husband writing again. Must be husband day. I'm having issues with my wife, but before I say anything, it has to be in perspective. Sign Phil Gunger. I am from Control Country, and my wife is from Fun Country. All right. Okay. We have arguments over disagreements, and my opinion is that they stem from a lack of submission on her part. When she disagrees with me, she tends to argue and quarrel. I find that she is very argumentative. It makes sense because... I am just now remembering that when she was in high school, she would argue for sometimes two hours with another argumentative person, her best friend, who is now a lawyer. She also shows a lack of submission in other areas of our marriage. Two rules I set for the uh, two are the rules that I set for kids and for spending money. So apparently, she's not submitting in the rules that he set about the kids and spending money. He wants to know: Is it possible for persons to disagree with each other without arguing? It would be my preference that she finds an approach to expressing her disagreement without being argumentative. I feel disrespected. I feel like I have to be competing with her instead of combining with her. And it comes across as a lack of submission. Yeah. Today, I'm deciding I'm no longer going to argue with her, but I don't know what to do about this. It's a source of unhappiness. Maybe it is me who has a false perception of submission and uh-huh. wrong expectations. Would love to hear your thoughts. No, you won't. You're not going <laughs> to like them. <laughs> but that's why people write to me, so I can insult them. Mm-hmm. Number one, you're a big fat baby. A big baby? Oh, he's so crushed because his wife argues with him. Ah! And you think she's supposed to submit to you. Do you here's, I love this because I just preach about this. Yes, I know you did. Anybody, how do I want to say this? Careful. Here's what I'm going to say. The Bible never says the following. The Bible never says, men, make sure your wives submit. It never says that. Nope. It says wives submit. It also says men should you know, you're supposed to submit to one another. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible says wives should respect their husbands. Peter also said husbands should respect their wives. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways. But it's interesting. Whenever talking about the behavior of the husband, the Bible writers talk to the husband. Whenever talked about the behavior of the wife, the Bible addresses it to the wife. I use the analogy of mail. If I go to your house and I see there's a letter with your name on it, I don't have the right to open it up. Okay? It's not for me. So, when you talk about scriptures, about where the Bible says a wife's supposed to submit, you should not be reading that to her or insisting it on her. It's none, it's none of your business. Mind your own business. It, anybody who says the man should, because there's pastors who teach mm-hmm. this stupidity, men should make sure their wives submit. You, you misguided man, think it's your job to insist that your wife submit? You don't understand Christianity because the Bible never says that. Here's a religion that maybe you would like to be part of. Because this is a bar down your line. This is from a religion called Islam. It's, I'm going to read to you from the Koran this, on this show. We don't do that a lot. Nope. I think this might be a first. <laughs> yeah, this might be a first. Reading from the Koran. Here's what the Koran says. Listen to the way the Koran talks. Men are in charge of the women by the right of what Allah has given over the one from the other because they spend from their wealth. In other words, because the guy pays the bills and makes the money, she, he rules over her. But for those wives that are arrogant, number one, first you advise them. If they persist, you forsake them in bed, kick them out of your bed, and finally strike them, slap them. This is from Surah 4.34 from the Quran. Any man 
who quotes the Bible and thinks that the Bible says husbands should make sure their wives submit to them is not Christianity. That is Islam. You want to be a you want to be a, a Muslim? Go be a Muslim, okay? But don't corrupt Christianity. Don't take the spirit of Christ and say that a man should make sure his wife submits to him. That Bible never says that. Never, ever, ever, ever. I'll give you a million dollars. Anybody who can find any scripture that says a man is supposed to make sure his wife submits. It's not there. Uh, your thinking is broken. Uh, it's quite, I find it personally disgusting. I think you should be ashamed of yourself for even thinking that way. Mind your own stinking business. You know what the Bible says to men? Men love your wives like Christ loved the church. Talk about submitting. Jesus submitted himself to the torture on the cross. That's the ultimate submission. Mm -hmm. How about you focus on that, big boy? Huh? How about you focus on what the Bible says you're supposed to focus on? Love, sacrifice, protect. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. And don't be focusing on what your wife is supposed to do. Mind your own stinking business. This is a principle over and over again in the scripture. Paul often writes, what another servant does to, uh, between him and God is between that servant and God. He says, who are you to judge another man's servant? The Lord is able to make them stand. Why? Because Christians like this. It's not just wives. Christians love to criticize everybody. They love to say, well, you, I do such a, how come you don't do that? I pray three hours a day. How come you don't pray? How come, you know, you allow yourself to do such, I don't do that. I don't allow that kind of thing. I, mind your own stinking business. I, I never drink beer. How come you drink beer? You know what the Bible says? Mind your own stinking business. God is able to make them stand. It's between him and God. And the same is true in the home. That's why these things are addressed specifically to wives and specifically addressed to husbands. Whenever any man starts quoting the Bible and insisting that his wife should submit to him is like Islam. Shame on you. You want to be Islam? Go be a Muslim. But don't take Christianity and make it some kind of oppressive thing that man is supposed to... You, you, don't know, you don't understand the spirit of grace. You don't understand what happened on the cross because in the cross, the Bible says there is no difference between men and women. God has raised them up. Peter writing about men respecting their wives because we are joint heirs. They are joint heirs in the kingdom of God. You no longer rule over her. <sighs> anyway. Okay, so what about his question, of, apart from the submission? Is it possible for persons to disagree with each other without arguing? <laughs> I guess, sure. Sometimes, but you sometimes make a choice. you argue. That's how you know you disagree. Because you're arguing. You're such a baby. I mean, grow a pair. Usually like, disagreement no, is sort of synonymous like his wife with is arguing. removing his testicles I'm... because she argues with him. What, what's the matter with you? Grow a pair. Man up. Just because your wife disagrees with you doesn't mean anything. So she disagrees with you. So what? So she argues with you. So what? So what? Man up. You know, she's disrespectful. Well, she shouldn't be disrespectful. But she, well, your version of disrespectful is probably twisted. You're probably thinking more like a Muslim. Mm hmm she shouldn't speak to me because I'm the man. If you're kind of thinking, you don't understand Christianity. You're reading from the wrong book, Jack. Don't say the Bible sounds like Mohammed from the whatever century he wrote all that stuff in. So it just ticks me off. Mm -hmm. Ticks I can me tell. off. Oh, it's just, it's just irritating. It, the most clear thing I can say the Bible never says, husbands, make sure your wives submit. Any man who is trying to ensure that his wife submits is not listening to the scripture. He's listening to the spirit of Allah. Because Allah says, man, make sure your wives do that. You're going to decide. You're going to follow the spirit of Christ? You're going to follow the spirit of Allah. 
And for all our Muslim friends, we've got a lot of them that watch the mm-hmm. show. I don't mean to slam you guys. I get it. But that's your, that's your Quran, okay? It says that men should insist their wives. Okay, that's the way you believe. Knock yourselves out. I'm saying as a Christian, Christians do not teach that. They're not supposed to teach it. Some teach it, but it's, oh. in, it's inappropriate. It's more from Islam than it is from Christianity. And having on that depressing thought, <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll be back with another irritating email right after this. Want more of Mark? Visit markgunger.com. There you will find everything that Mark has to offer. In a hospital room where one is born. We're back. Another one. What else you got there? Uh, wife writing. She says, I'm a Christian who is married to a Christian who has ADD. He is impulsive. Highly inconsistent, erratic, extremely forgetful, he lies a lot, and is always losing his job, can't plan ahead, can't plan his finances. He is very uh, sarcastic, very moody, and with frequent emotional outbursts. He keeps making promises he doesn't keep and has a very surface relationship with God. Uh He blurts things out inappropriately in the most inappropriate situations (laughs) and doesn't behave with tact. My question to you is, as a Christian wife... How do I submit to a husband who has a diagnosed mental illness? Oh, I don't know. Just do your best. Do your best. And is he taking medication for this? I don't know. I mean, is he taking medication? Is he taking medication? It should uh, eliminate some of those uh, symptoms. Should. You know, sometimes people need to be confronted for their bad behavior. Has he been confronted? For all this, I mean that that list is pretty nasty list. Maybe okay, he doesn't want to take the medication. That's kind of often the case. Well, I would confront that in the strongest terms. You know, if he's making life Im- unbearable for you, uh, you simply say to him, "Look, uh, if you're not going to take your medication, uh, I'm going to live with my mom for a while." You know, when you're ready to start taking your medication, put that stuff in line, then then fine. Mm-hmm. The confrontation is a healthy thing. What's the worst part of why so many Christians struggle with confrontation or with relationships is they think confrontation is wrong. That's where they blow it. Mm-hmm. That's why people like this, they don't get it. Confrontation is not bad. Jesus was confrontational. Mm-hmm. I don't know what version of the Bible these people read. Jesus was really intense. He goes into, he starts out his ministry, according to John, the other apostles or uh, books put it much later, but and something, he did it twice because of the inconsistency. But John basically says he started out. And John was the one who was there. <laughs> Said he started out. Goes in the temple. Turn into With a whip. You know what you do with whips? You whip people. You whip people. Right? If I hit you with a whip, do you think that hurts? Don't you think it hurts? Oh, it does hurt. They were all scared. They are all recoiling from him. He's smacking them around, knocking over stuff. Money's going flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's called Confrontation. But Jesus would never hurt anybody. Uh, apparently, he would. He did. Apparently, he did. Well, it's because well, I'm just saying because they were doing stuff that was really bad. They were basically ripping off the people of God and turning into one big money making ventures. I, was, I just read a thing. Uh, Bill O'Reilly's book, Killing Jesus, great book actually, uh, and he goes into the historical background behind why he did that. And I was reading stuff I'd never read before. The about. whole. Oh, yeah, what they were doing with that money changes, what they yeah. were doing, and how corrupt and bad it was. Yeah. And Jesus was horked. Mm-hmm. All right? Jesus said, if you ha- so see someone who's doing the wrong thing, you go to him. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't listen to you, go with somebody else. 
And if he doesn't listen to you, you tell it to the whole church. And if he doesn't listen, you kick him out. That's called confrontation, right? Paul talked about confrontation. The one guy in 1 Corinthians who was acting really badly, he said, kick him out of the church. He said, turn him over to the devil. Ow. Wow. Paul said, you know Christians who are acting immorally don't have anything to do with them. He says, not non-Christians, because if you did that, you couldn't talk to anybody. Right. But he said, Christians. You know someone who's a Christian that's committing adultery or cheating on his wife? The Bible says, don't even have lunch with them. He says, don't even eat with them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of mean. Yeah, it's called confrontation. The church was called to confront things. When Peter brought in Ananias and Sapphira and confronted them because of their lying, and they both dropped dead, this would be known as confrontation. <laughs> So, what happens is then Christians today, American Christians, who have been taught by these wussified pastors, so many of them, even Matt, this guy we're just listening, we won't mention any name. Right. The way he talks, la la la, la 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 la. They're just all just so, so, it's just, and everybody should just always sing kumbaya. And just, you know, well, no wonder there's so many Christians who. They can't handle their marriages, can't handle their relationships with anybody because they don't know the truth about confrontation. It's a book I want to write actually this year. The power of confrontation, not meanness, not evil, not cursing, not, I'm talking just flat out confrontation. It's it's through confrontation that you, and here's the thing, all these pastors who don't like confrontation, all these leaders of church who don't like confrontation, all these ladies you go to your church and you tell them about your horrible husband or your guys, about your really misbehaving wife and stuff, and they just say, oh, just pray about it, just pray about it. All these guys who don't want confrontation, it all changes when you talk about their church. Mm-hmm. Ask them, what would you do if the pastor came in drunk Sunday morning? <gasps> we would confront! Oh. oh, really? Now you confront. Well, Yeah! Well, not at home. Well, because the Bible says a woman says submit. The Bible says you're supposed to submit to your pastor. Same submit word. So if the pastor's stealing money, oh, they'd throw him out in a heartbeat. Man, there's people who throw their church pastors out of church because just they don't like the way he turns in his receipts. Right. Well, in this case, if a pastor was extremely forgetful, erratic, saying all these, I mean, acting the way that she is, yes. the church would confront, confront him. him. They would confront you. You know, that's brilliant because that's the truth. What you need to do is take whatever your list of bad things about your husband, because some of these women write about their bad mm-hmm. behavior, take that same list and apply it to your pastor. What would happen? Ask your church. What would ask? Send people say, we have a pastor who's doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Well, they would say, dude, you need to get to the doctor. You need to get on medication. If you don't get this right, you can't stay in this position at the church. You know that's what they would say. No, I wouldn't even do that. They'd, they fought, would just they'd vote him out right away. Yeah. You all know it. Because y'all go to these stupid cycle little churches that the people vote on pastors, which I think is absurd. But I can't fix all that. I got my own problems. These people sit there just running politics and vote the guy in and out because they don't I like know. the color of the carpet that he picked on or I know. the toilets weren't clean the way they thought it should be clean and that's his job to find out and they'll vote him out. Oh my goodness. Any of these people, any of these people, these pastors, any of them, ask them. Give them any list, just like your list there. I know a pastor who, ABC, listen to what they say. You, they need to confront him. You need to talk to the uh, elders of their uh, denomination. They need to confront him and, if necessary, vote him out of the... I mean, boom! In a heartbeat. Every one of them. Whenever it's about the pastor, all these people, which really is a sign of disrespect to the ministry. Nobody respects the ministry anymore. It's sad that that's the way yeah. that, that thing. But when it comes to the home... See, my husband does da-da-da. Well, just, just, you know, pray about it. You know, what? You know, watch the war room. <laughs> Did you ever watch let's, that let's, yet, by the we way? Gotta, we got to rent the war room and, and watch that. And, and, and let's, let's just, you know, submit. 
just submit. It's just outrageous. What they never understand is the same rules that apply to the pastor are the same rules that apply to a husband in the home. And the reality is now, if your husband's taking all these medications and stuff like that, and you say, I'm having a hard time submitting to him, I'll bet. There's people I have a hard time loving. <laughs> I know a few. Some, some of them within arm's length are on, <laughs> are on the staple. <laughs> ah, Phil, he's talking about you. How dare you say that about your son? I know, i got to pray about it. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, you know, okay, so I have a hard time submitting to my husband. What should I do? Well, pray about it. There you should pray about it. And ask God to help you, help you to be kind. What did Jesus say? Somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn him the other cheek. There's that response. Okay, that's yeah. fine. But if he's not taking his medication, refusing to take his medication, having all these problems, you need to confront him. Mm-hmm. All of that rambling is that you need to come just like you would a pastor. And the way I would do is say, look, if, you're not gonna be, if he's refusing to take his meds, I'm going to go live with my mom until you take the meds. You force him into it. It's called confrontation. People who struggle in relationships is because they've never learned the art, the power, and the biblical support for confrontation. We'll take a break and be back with the final segment right after this. Have a marriage dilemma? Email your questions to ask at markgunger.com and Mark can answer them during one of our shows. Final session. At the Mark Garner Show. A little music there by Michael O'Brien. Michael O. Check out his music. MichaelO.org. I didn't know if you forgot when you hesitated, so I just filled it in. MichaelO.org. That was a senior moment. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. What's your name again? <laughs> three <laughs> years. Are Took you three years. Who, who are you, people? Who are you? And are you in my house? <laughs> yeah. Okay, dating question, but kind of a non-dating question. You'll know what I mean. It's a guy writing. He says, I'm a single guy who has an extremely high sex drive. Okay. It is driving me crazy at times. <laughs> I'm not currently looking for anyone because I'm currently in college and working full time, and I don't want the person I'd be with to feel neglected. Do you think it's wrong of me to want to take medication to lower my sex drive while I am single? I am not currently doing this, but I have thought about going to my doctor to ask for something. Thank you for your advice in advance. Uh, don't take, get a wife, you nimrod. He says he doesn't want to, her to feel neglected. That he's making a mistake. What do you think you do when you get married? You're with each other 24 hours a day, all day long? He's going to school. Yeah, and so you go to school. Full-time. Go to school and work. Do life. You know, people are they're convinced that marriage is something he's that is not. He's 28, by the way. I asked him how Oh, good Lord. Just get a wife. TikTok. 28. 10 more years, it'll be 38. He's half dead. Yeah? They are half dead. These people, this generation is just as dumb as a brick. I would have never thought of going to some sort of chemical castration. I know. The, the, the would a doctor just, even do that? They're dumb. They don't do the math. They don't do the math. They think they're going to live forever. Unless something happens dramatically, the actually the do you know the lifespan actually shrunk a little bit in America? It kind of it has. yeah, that kind of shocked a bunch of people looking at the studies because everyone's thinking it'll just keep getting yeah. longer and longer and longer. And it's going. But the, the average way. is seventy eight years old. Mm-hmm. On average, seventy eight, you you kick the bucket, which is just uh, heart wrenching for those of us who are getting closer to that. Seven, closer to seventy eight. <laughs> I'm halfway. I'm halfway. I'm going to live to one hundred and four. 
so I'm halfway. <laughs> That's what I say. That's my story. 78 or 76. Is it 76? Maybe 76. I think it's 76. Yeah. I think, did it, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. You don't have 76s, 38. Mm -hmm. So he's a half. He'll be Well, he will be in 10 (laughs) years. Halfway there. At at 28, man, you you should already be married. You already have a family and start building life. Why are we going to, a lot of people get married and still go to school and work. Mm -hmm. I got news for you. You're going to be working the rest of your life. Mm Mm-hmm. What do they think? And you have to figure out how she's not going to feel neglected when you're working and you're people, taking care of your kids and you're doing everything else. What do they think happens? Like there's something magic in getting married at a certain time that she won't feel neglected when you're doing all of that? You're going to get to the point in your life where you have so much money that you just can stay home and stay home every night and not work extra hours. They're all delusional. Delusional thinking. Should you take, should you get into chemical castration because you got a high Seriously, sex will drive? a doctor do that? Is there even, I mean, this is, he's right from the U.S., so. Chemical castration is probably not (laughs) what we're talking about here. No, no, but I mean, is there even some prescription? Do doctors do this? Is there something that exists? He's a psycho. These (laughs) people are crazy. The Bible says, if you have a sex drive, get a wife. What do Christians do today? No, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to masturbate. I'm going to have sex. I'll have oral sex. I'll do all this stuff. And now this guy wants to take drugs. What is the matter with people? Pharmaceutical answer to everything. Good grief! Hey. I have, a, I have an unusual high sex drive. I would say you do not. No. Because if you did, normal. you'd be married by now. I had a real high sex drive. I was 18. I got married right away. You're normal. Just do the normal thing. Oh, for heaven's sake, you can't take it. <laughs> See ya. Bye, bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs>